don't call me Corey Baker, call me Marco Pot. Cause I'm not Julia's son, not anymore. Don't call me Corey Baker, call me Marco Posh. Cause I'm not Julia's And do you spend more time on your strengths or weaknesses in this line of work? That's a great question. I, in general, my concept has always been um, spend time on your strengths is is get great at what you already love it's do what you love the money will follow a great book by marcia sinitar um that you get passionate about something and just do that more and more and oftentimes the weaknesses will be subsumed underneath that or if there's something that's really specific you're really good at this other stuff but you you're getting called for some session work where you need to be able to sightseeing then you work on that skill and on the subject of contractors, how does one get to be a contractor and what are the skills necessary to be a contractor? Or is that just a matter of relationships? Like if you know a producer or something, you're... A lot of, a lot of that comes down to producers. You have to have relationships with different people and they will, they will um, ask you. Um, there have been times that I've contracted some small things. And uh, when I was working for Natalie Cole, I, I was a contractor on a session for She and I to sing um, uh, um, a song that Marcus Miller was producing. And, um, but, and some other times I've contracted some things. But I would say most contractors don't decide to become a contractor. They get called by, by people. A producer or a director that they've worked with or a songwriter says, you know, I need some singers. You, you know, I know you're really good and you know a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So being really good, skillful, and knowing people and being organized are crucial for a, for a, a contractor. The ability to conduct is helpful, but a lot of contractors don't. They let somebody else conduct it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's other skills, but I would say knowing singers, know what you do, know what other singers do, having relationships because you might be somebody that calls and says, hey, I need an uh, African heritage uh, male over 40 um, who has kind of a, a Brooklyn accent and it's got to be legit. Hmm. Who do you know? Well, you better know a lot of people because you might you know, have to do some scouring and uh Hopefully that's a fun thing for you to do because I think it, it entails a lot of that. Having a team, I would say that a lot of contractors these days, once you get busy enough, you need a team to, to support you know that. Your brother is a successful contractor. John uh, was a, a still, I don't think he does much contracting anymore. He's playing more cello these days he's uh, back in New York uh, not New York he's in Vermont on the East Coast and and uh, is it still a wonderful singer um, he did contract uh, for the wall tour um, the singers for that uh, a couple years ago and he's contracted many other things for Japan and and uh, and for different singer songwriters and you know whatever artists. so he's not really pursuing it it's just if someone calls him then he'll yeah, kind of yeah yeah he's he's uh he decided to get out of the rat race of LA and he and his wife moved back where she was more comfortable. She was a big session singer too, hmm. Susan Boyd um, Joyce. And 
amazing singer, super. There's so gifted. many amazing singers out there. You know, it's I, I don't yeah. know how anyone gets noticed because <laughs> there's so many, so much talent in L.A. Everyone's coming here. Christmas music seems to be a recurring theme throughout your career. Can you tell us something about that? Well, Christmas in July, I think, is what it is. Uh, oftentimes Christmas stuff gets recorded in July. I don't know why that is, but I guess there's, there's enough lead time. Um, I, I, Christmas is I mean, it's is a wonderful. smart thing because that's like reoccurring kind of, I mean, every year there's Christmas and there's another, another year where you can market your Christmas music. True. I've written a few Christmas songs with different people and stuff, but um, uh, I think... It's uh, it's amazing because I've heard some wonderful, wonderful Christmas songs that never really caught on. Hmm. And you just go, why why did this one not? And these did, you know, these incredible Christmas standards that we that we know. Um, but uh, I wonder why know. that is, why certain things catch on and and some things don't <clears throat> catch on the first time you hear them. But, you know, they start to resonate after a certain period of time i'm not sure donny hathaway's this christmas yeah. i loved it from the moment i heard it but it didn't really catch on until i don't think uh as much until the last couple of years when it was done in a couple movies and then people started hearing it and they're like oh man i love this new song <laughs> like it's not a new song it's been a, <laughs> you know, it's been around yeah you know. huh. interesting uh and how'd you come up with the name dharma buds and, and can you tell us about that uh yeah that was a that's a fun group that um uh vito gregoli and i and i think that um we like the idea of uh jack kerouac's dharma but uh dharma bums and that there was a a a, a spirituality his his uh he's more aligned with the with the buddhist tradition um as a as an outlook towards life and things uh and uh so and dharma also goes with an eastern philosophy and hinduism and different things that that i've studied so um right path right action and then buds is just friendship and it's kind of irreverent it's a little bit more chill so we just we like the name we went through a bunch of names and just thought ah that's good well cool it's, I fun. it's got a little spiritual got a little bit of you know and and I would encourage everyone to to Google that. I mean, I was listening to the to your music and I, I loved it. So Thanks. I hope everyone will 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 check that out. Um, I, you I, know, I'll just tell you one one thing that because I uh, somebody just asked me about this. Um, uh, uh, the the song um, Nature Boy by Eden Abed. Yeah, beautiful, incredible song. And when I was working for Natalie, she was telling she told me that. He had approached uh, Nat King Cole and said, you know, I've got this song for you. And Nat's like, I can't take unsolicited material. Even back then hmm. in the 60s, it hmm. was like you had to go through a lawyer or something because otherwise you could get sued if you ever did something similar. Well, this song was obviously very unique. And so he loved it and he decided he would record it. Well, um, I just was emailing with a friend of mine who knew Eden and back in the day and uh, and that he uh, n he kept writing songs. He never had another hit. That was the one song that that ever made it. But um, uh, my uh, my partner and I, Vito and I did a little video online of um, kind of a little homage to a spiritual teacher, um, Paramahansa Yogananda. Um, and uh, is that thumping so, coming from you or me? 
I think it's from What's that? Aaron. There's a thumping. It sounds like someone hitting a bass drum that I'm hearing. Oh, really. sorry. That might be my toes under the table. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll lay off the thumping. Um, so, uh, so we did a video on that, uh, on our version. Um, it's from the, it's from the CD, but it's called nature boy and it's kind of an Eastern take on it. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's you like 25,000 your views. spiritual in, in, your spiritual influence there. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, many Sorry, will you gonna, say that again. You were going to say. Oh, well, many will say that singing is a physical thing that involves the whole body. What things do you do to take care of your body? Do you, do you have a exercise regime? Regime? <laughs> uh, yes, sort of. Um, I've gone in and out of different things. I I joined up with uh, the gym and go there every so often and uh, <clears throat> not often enough they have some yoga classes and and then I, I'll invariably go and do 20 minutes 20 30 minutes of some stuff from my back and shoulders and a little bit of everything when I was younger I used to uh, lift a lot more and and uh, kind of fancied myself a a, 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 a little weightlifter and was doing a lot of that stuff it was fun but but now, um, I have a, a morning routine that I basically get up and I stretch before I get up out of bed, I stretch body and I smile and I laugh and I say three gratitudes, things that I'm grateful for in my life. And uh, part of that morning routine is then at some point during the day, it's morning, but I'll do some, uh, I'll do some more 10, 15 minutes of leg work or arm work or something like that, just to, uh, push ups and things like, uh, that and, uh, some meditation, but that's so that way, at least, um, every day I'm getting some movement and I'm getting some, but not as much as I should water, I would say is a crucial, crucial thing. And I still don't drink enough mm -hmm. water, but it's one of the things that my voice teacher and many other people just say, you should be drinking a half a gallon a day. Mm -hmm. Eight, eight glasses is just, just to keep, things moving and uh, I've had a little cough the last couple days or the last week and um, and and I know that that would help that you can hear a little bit of um, of that in my throat right now so water exercise adequate sleep um, and uh, you know certainly for a singer some sort of uh, cardio work to keep the lungs moving and keep your intercostal muscles engaged, which controls the diaphragm. And, mm -hmm. you know, we are a, a holistic uh, system. So people think they, they, they're going to take care of the vocal cords. That's only a, that's only a small part of the, the whole thing that, you know, exactly. So do you do cardio every day or just a certain, uh, like three or four times a week? Just a few times a week. Yeah, I'm, I should be doing it every day. Yeah, but. I'm in your same boat. I, I do it, but not as much as I should. Um, yeah. I'm going to ask you a question that you asked someone, some other people. <laughs> what are some of the things that you learned when you were in music school that you didn't know that you might learn, that you didn't expect to learn when you were at school? Wow, I asked that question. Did <laughs> you restate it? That's funny. Maybe. I, let me put on my glasses for this just in case I... Uh, what are some of the things that you learned when you were in music school that you didn't know that you might learn and that you didn't expect to learn when you were at school? <clears throat> well, the, the things that we expect is we expect to learn... Um, 
singing techniques and you expect to learn to sing in ensembles and you expect to sight sing and maybe some keyboard skills and stuff. And those are all part of the curriculum. But what I think, what I didn't expect to learn was relationships between people, um, the expectation, um, uh, expectations of others and myself, um, something I'm still learning today, but I, I definitely, it definitely hit me when I was in at Cal State Northridge, which is where I got my undergraduate at USC when I got my master's, but um, is uh, how to be vulnerable enough to be myself, mm-hmm. to have the courage to um, to speak my mind and to sing what I thought was important and um, not to push that on anybody else, but to have the integrity and courage to to show my heart, to show what matters to me, because that that awakens the possibility for others to do the same. Something that um, was spoken, uh, Marion Williamson said at, at um, I love her. <laughs> and Dallas, I love that quote, Mandela's inauguration. But as we do that, we we enable others to do that. So I would say that's an ongoing um, journey. I think that some of the specific things that I, I didn't think that I would, I didn't know about structure. So in studying classical music, I learned some over underlying structures, Shankari analysis and all sorts of stuff like that. And 12, te- you know, uh, 12 tone um, composition methodologies and and uh, um, those sort of things that I didn't think that I would care about nor be interested in. And yet, it although I don't write in 12 tone, you know, anymore, um, I discovered, you know, the beauty of some of some of that music that was really stunning to me. If it was done from a musical standpoint, I would say sometimes people just take a, a methodology and they just say, we're just going to jam this onto this. And to, it always has to have some and that's in the eyes of the beholder, ears of the beholder. But I found there was some music that just, um, the lyric suite by Alban Berg. I had no idea. I had to go in and study that and pick it apart. Mm-hmm. And I just, I remember being in tears sometimes at the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. And and yet it was so, you know, um, had many moments of incredible dissonance and, and things. But I, I didn't know that I would learn so much about structure and about the importance of form and how to write in form and then but not have that be the you know ultimately still have musicality like i was saying about mr backrack that he learned because he studied avant-garde composition too Mm -hmm. and so he learned what structure was and then he let music determine that he learned all these possibilities for structure and didn't say now here's Here's the Bible. We have to stick with it exactly like this. It's like, okay, well, there's all this stuff. Now, what do I want to do with that? And how do I let musicality infuse that? Hmm. Kind of like an actor who does a lot of research for a role, but then at the end of the day, he's done all this research and now just lets it go yeah, and right. trusts that what what needs to be there will be there. Got it perfectly. Can, yeah. can you tell us about your songwriting process? I know you not only are a very skilled songwriter, but you also teach songwriting. I, um, thanks for asking. I, I, 
I love songwriting and I, um, it's another thing I don't do enough of. And I, I have a tendency to write more when I need to. There's, there's something that, or a situation that, where I need to write. Um, but, um, my tendency is to get, it's easier for me to come up with musical ideas. So I'll often come up with a musical idea and then come with lyrics that kind of go with that. But because I don't consider myself as, as facile, I think I write good lyrics, but I'm not as facile of a lyricist. It doesn't come, if you give me lyrics, I can probably come up with three different ways to set that melodically quickly. If you give me a melody, I'm going to have to, I'll probably have a, It'll be a challenge just to come up with one lyric that's really strong. Other people are strong the other way. So in general, I tell students, and I try to apply this for myself, you know, I always come up with stuff that other people should do. And oftentimes I go, wow, that would be really good if I did that. Yeah. But, um, but to start with what's most difficult, hmm. not the other way around, mm -hmm. Hmm. for me, mm -hmm. is to start with a lyric that is, is really strong, and then know that I will then be able to come up with a melodic thing that goes with that, rather than coming up with this cool melody and then going, okay, oh shoot, I don't know what's going to go there, and struggling with the lyrics. Um, because I have many, many, many musical ideas that are unfinished for that very reason. Mm -hmm. This is great. I, I love this. I love how that goes. Oh, that's so cool. But I, now I'm stuck. Now I, I've got to, I've painted myself in a corner and I have to come up with lyrics. So I would suggest that people start with what's most difficult, the more difficult thing, and then know that you have this, you'll have an easier time with options later. Um, the other thing that I like to do is, is I study other people's songs. I, there's some websites that do that, this very thing, and they really break down other people's songs. It's great if you study when somebody else breaks it down. What are some of those you, websites? Um, <clears throat> I have to look it up. Um, it's been some time since I've looked at them, but I collected them some years ago for students. And, but they're and out there, though. So but, but if you do some, a Google uh, search, you could probably... Analysis, it, basically yeah. song analysis. And you can look it up, and there's there's I think there's a, a number of... But these were really great websites that I, I loved how detailed they were. But like anything, I think when you do it yourself, it's better. You know, when you t transcribe, I've got a bunch of transcribed solos, mm -hmm. and that's great to play through them. But it's way different when I listen to the solo over and over again until it's in my voice, and then I write it down. Now it's really seeped into me. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with, with analyzing a song, I think that reading a book on here's the analysis of, of Hey Jude, here's, his, you know, all the Beatles songs. That's useful to a point, but I think that only when we really allow it to get into us, then it can come out through our writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think some people will say that's the same with uh, learning a song. Some will say it's best to learn it by listening to it versus looking at the music. Right, yeah. Um, what's your approach to vocal arranging? Um, I love harmony. So, um, I love, uh, to take a song and think of all the different ways to harmonize it on keyboards at, at first to just kind of get some sounds. And then, um, from that, I'll come up with voicings for areas and, and how to reduce it down to, 
um, to not have it all be six part or something, but to bring it down, where does it need to be unison? Where does this need to be two part um, in terms of sonorities? Um, uh, where do I want it to really break into? Um, where do I really want it to open up harmonically and structurally and uh, energetically? Um, and then essential to that is my father was a vocal arranger and he always said, sing every line. Every single line should be singable. Not what Claire Fisher did. You know, He literally had, there were a few things I was looking at with um, uh, Ian Freebaron Smith. I don't know if you know him, but he's a wonderful arranger and he was a t uh, show host for, I think it was on KUSC for um on film composers if you haven't checked it out it's really great he interviews and talks about the music composition of these film composers anyway he was looking through his music and he said it's literally in claire fisher one of these charts he said i literally have a 12-tone row there's not a single note that repeats until all 12 are stated at this hmm. point in the song hmm. the, the incredible the sound of it still comes across really well, but it makes it so much more difficult. So I always say, let it be singable. Let each part be singable so that you're not having to jump through hoops just because all I care about is the harmony. It's like just vertical, here, this, I love that chord, I love that chord. Let people just go wherever they have to go to get there. But rather, how do I make that in such a musical way that each person feels like they're not just going, you know, just repeating the same notes. It's not, it's not a melody. How do you, how do you make it so that each person feels like they have a really important part and it's, it works. And then when you have that together, so you think linearly rather than just vertically. Hmm. A small little tidbit that you sang on the Disneyland ride. It's a small world. True. That busted me up. That's great. That's like one of, I'm not really a roller coaster kind of guy. So that ride is, <laughs> that ride is right up my alley. Um, do you yeah, think I did the Spanish, the Japanese and English. Uh, oh yeah. Wow. Huh. Um, do you speak those languages too? Or, or just enough no, to sing? Actually not then. No, no. But it was just phonetic. We were taught the. Yeah. Uh, do you think it's necessary for a vocalist to create a brand for themselves in this world we're living in today? And if so, how, do, how does a vocalist go about creating a brand for themselves? Well, there's a, a friend of mine, Greg Spolenka, is a wonderful um, artist and has been on many, many different magazines and um, Newsweek and Time and everything else uh, as an illustrator. And he has a workshop that I think is, that really speaks to that. And I have considered modifying it to bring it over for, for singers, but he calls it artist as brand. And the idea of that is not just to create a brand for business, but rather to kind of do the deeper work to say, what am I here doing? What am I doing in this body and this voice with this and this lifetime? And what are the gifts that I have to bring? And doing that inner work and then saying, now I'm gonna bring that out there. And then I'm gonna identify how do I mod how do I identify what that is in relationship to other things, and that's the branding part. Mm -hmm. But I think that too often people only focus on the branding and they don't necessarily focus on what's really most me. Mm -hmm. They don't do the inner work and they just say, "Okay, I'm going to create a brand," and they might be successful, but it, it may not necessarily always represent 
who they are on the deepest level. And I think that um, for that reason, sometimes people don't work hard enough because it's not it's not representing who they are. And they find, well, I've got this really successful brand. I think I'll sell it, you know. And whereas if it's a if 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 it's who you are, how could you ever sell that or just demean it by making it only a financial um, agreement? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Do, do you? Remember the the first moment when you knew that you wanted to make your living as a musician? I know you grew up in a musical family, but sometimes people go the opposite way of of what their parents are doing. I don't know that there was a moment. Um, I think that it's been a growing, to be honest, it's a growing sense of, of purpose, I think, um, that um, it seemed like that's what I should do. And I was good at it, and I so I became a you know a keyboard player and singer, and I was I enjoyed it, but I don't know that I chose it as much as many people have, and I really respect that the the people that that move here from across the country or uh, around the world, and they say I want to do this, I know, and they come to LA College of Music, Pasadena, City, you know wherever it is that they're going to school to study, and I always respected that the um the power of intention that they had and the the trusting in themselves to follow through on that for me it was i i i'm kind of humbled by the fact that i was raised in a family where it was not a huge challenge to to consider being a musician to be a singer don't call me Corey baker call me marco Potts, because i'm not julia's son not anymore don't call me Corey Baker, call me Marco Paz, cause I'm not Julia's son like I was before.